A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts, Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. Well, good morning, everybody. Here we are, Saturday, doing it again. It just feels like the weeks just fly by, right? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everybody bases their entire week around Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. You know, once this starts, everybody takes this collective deep breath as we plunge forward into the true bliss of what it means to be alive, you know, listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show. And then when it's over, man, it's the long slog until next week. But the good news is it's happening right now. The bad news is we're going to go to the vault one more time. It's been a busy week, and so I've pulled up some of my favorite segments And hopefully next week, we'll get back to new stuff. But for this week, we've got a lot of good stuff coming. We're going to be talking about roller covers. We're going to be dealing with rusty water if you struggle with that. And finally, we're going to hit a bunch of common paint mistakes. But right now, let's just jump straight in to one of the coolest tools I've ever seen. Well, Betsy, we live in a commercialized world where there are a lot of products out there. Mm -hmm. Television commercials have gotten very good. They've always been good at making these things look amazing. One that I remember is the spray-on hair. Yes. You know, from the 80s. Yes. And it's bald... supposed to make it look like you have all this very yeah. gorgeous lush hair. I always hair. wondered what that exactly was. We're looking at a yeah. video right now of a balding gentleman, and it certainly looks like there's a bunch of fibers growing on his head. Right. But I think what it's is just it? like, is it like silly string, only just the color of your hair. That or it's spray paint that like sticks through <laughs> the few hairs that you have left. I bet that's fun to clean up in the bathroom when you're done. Oh, when you're done yeah. doing your do. Or we're looking at another one that I think is really interesting the Hawaii chair. It's basically a chair that you just shake makes you all look, over the place, right, right? You sit on it and it makes it look like you're doing the hula or something well, like that. There are so many things that are apparently going to make us healthier. Right. Save us time, save mm-hmm. us this, save us that. And right. we all know it doesn't work that way. And yeah. yet there's a part of us that really still wants to try it and wants to figure it out, right? Uh-huh. Of course. So if I ever go bald, I'm heading out to the Silly String <laughs> store and I'm gonna see if I can fix myself. Good plan. But... There are other things that we cannot possibly believe that they're going to work, and we're blown away when they really do. And we just ran into one of those, and it's right up our alley here on the show, Mm -hmm. and we want to talk about it because we know there are a lot of woodworkers out there, whether you're a hobbyist, whether you do this on a high-end scale, and this Mm -hmm. is what you do for a living. If if you're in that group, you probably know about what we're going to talk about. Probably. But a lot of hobbyists are probably unaware that there is a table saw system out there, and it's not brand new technology. It's been around since 2004. I think the first one was sold. Yeah. It is a table saw that will detect flesh Mm -hmm. in its path and will stop so fast that you only only nick your finger. So rather than chopping things, digits (laughs) off... Right. Which on their website, Uh we heard stories of people saying, yeah, I ran my hand through there and it was throwing fingers everywhere. That's when I paused the video and (laughs) went to another video. Right. But that's what old regular table Mm -hmm. saws do. My mom was always scared to death when dad would fire up his table saw. His joke was always dial 9-1 and then if you hear screaming, dial the other one. Right. And then send people his way. Right. Of course. But tell them about the saw stop system, Betsy, because it's really, really cool. 
Well, it's really cool. We actually stumbled upon it, I think, on the internet, of course. Um, and we did the kind of typical, yeah, it sounds good, but does it really work? And I ignored it completely. Yeah. But it was lingering in the back of my mind. Right. The name was. Right. And then we met, go ahead, we met Roger at the Evergreen Commons Woodshop. Yeah, a few months ago, he contacted us to do something totally different. He wanted us to come and do a wood finishes presentation for the people in their wood shop. And let me say, these people, when we say they have a wood shop and they are woodworkers, they do amazing, gorgeous, phenomenal things. Yeah, I went thinking that we were going to, you know, really rock it. You know, we're going to tell them all about wood finishes yeah. and all these hobbyists. <laughs> I felt like they didn't need us. <laughs> no, we walked in and we saw all the amazing turned pieces that they've done. It's and, just gorgeous. Oh, uh, it made me feel like I am such a <laughs> hack. What am I doing here? Right. But we're glad we stayed because Roger mentioned in the course of our conversation there mm -hmm. That just offhandedly, they use the saw stop system on their table saws. Right. As we were talking about wood finishes, that was playing in my head that he was referencing something that I was mm -hmm. rem remembering. Right. And I put it all together later, as yeah. I normally do. They have this system that mm -hmm. detects your flesh yeah. and will stop the saw. So suddenly we realized that there's this item out there that seems too good to be true mm -hmm. that we can actually see firsthand. Yeah, it's a really cool system. And the way it works is um, this particular saw works just like a normal table saw. But underneath the table by the blade, there is an aluminum brake. It sits very, very close to that blade and it's spring loaded. And there's an electrical signal that runs through that blade as it's spinning. And if you get too close and your finger touches that blade... Nicks it. Yes. You end up tripping that signal. You break the signal. And within split seconds five milliseconds they say yes that brake will release that spring pops out the brake releases stops the blade because of the momentum that blade comes back down below the table and your finger just is left with this little tiny nick if that if that if that it's like airbag technology but they yes. say it's 10 times faster yes the blade retracts everything happens within five milliseconds that's from the second you touch it to it being completely under the table. I mean, that is fast. Right. It's called, like we said, it's called the saw stop system. And amazing. Absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. When we talked, yeah. we went back then later and asked Roger about mm -hmm. the system because why not? Absolutely. He says it really works well. They've tripped it. He said, uh, I believe he counted six times in six months. Yeah. So on average, One once a month. a month it trips. Right. Now it can trip. Because the wood is too wet. Right. You know, they've got rules about that. You don't yeah. cut wet wood. There's different blades to don't use cut for pressure-treated pressure -treated wood. wood. Right. And if there are metal pieces, like mm. staples or something like right. that. And he said, inevitably, what happens is somebody gets new wood from a, you know, big box lumber yard, mm -hmm. and they've got the staple on the end yeah. with a little tag. Right. And they don't pull that out. The blade hits that. It triggers the system. Right. When the system triggers, mm -hmm. the brake is broken at that point it, it yes. will launch and you have to completely replace that cartridge right it's about 70 bucks or so yeah i think to replace that cartridge mm -hmm. you could damage the blade it is possible roger yep. said that most of the time the blade they want to repair that or change it mm -hmm. but he's had a couple instances where they didn't need to change the blade right so you're looking at a hundred and about a hundred bucks or so if you've got to do a blade it's going to be more than that right but think about what an er visit is uh, yeah, the copay alone. Yeah, because he was saying a couple of the instances were the wood was wet or there was metal. Right. But a number of the other instances, it triggered because somebody 
touch the blade Mm -hmm. and it saved their finger no damage maybe a band-aid is needed Mm -hmm. and then five minutes of swapping the system out putting a new break in putting a new blade on five minutes later you're up and running again no trips to the er no dialing 911 Mm -hmm. and the thing is the saws really aren't that much more expensive than a regular saw he thought they were about maybe a third more which may sound like a lot but (laughs) <laughs> two trips to the ER. I mean, right. just having all your fingers. Right. It's worth checking out. you got to look is. into it. Yeah, you can go online to check it out. We'll have the video in our show notes of just how fast the thing works. Well, and they show you how it is by running a hot dog towards the blade. <laughs> yes. And they don't even get to cut through the hot dog. No. The blade goes no. that fast. It right. nicks the hot dog. Right. Um, you can also, there's a place in Grand Rapids on 28th Street. It's called Woodcraft. You can also go down there. and They are a dealer for these saws. So you can go and check it out for yourself get some pricing maybe look into it because i mean let's face it it's better to be safe than sorry if you do any kind of woodworking at all it's something to look into one of the things on the website that we ran into is lots of woodworkers say this is the one thing that my spouse was really cool with me buying for the shop (laughs) yep other tools they kind of look at and Uh, say do you really need to do that with this one definitely worth it yes it is now we're going to take a break But when we come back, we're going to dig into the somewhat sad history of the roller cover. And then we're going to be solving your rusty water problems with Gordon Water. All of that is just ahead, so stick around. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Betsy, if you had to name inventions that were completely revolutionary, mm-hmm. what would some be? The wheel. Well, the wheel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's the first one that comes to most we, people's minds. Yeah, I we think. don't get anywhere, literally. No, without that. Because you even needed those when horses were pulling your buggy. Right, right. Yeah. So somebody somewhere. Uh-huh. Hey, look at this. It rolls. That's right. pretty cool. We wouldn't have rolling pins without the wheel. Right. And then we wouldn't have pizza. Well, well we could cuz we could The spin Greeks, it. the Romans, all of them had wheels. Yeah. They all needed wheels. Well, congratulations. You got a good one. I was thinking printing that's right. press. Yeah. That's uh, always a big one for the people. The computer? Yeah, nowadays. What would we do without computers? (laughs) YouTube. I remember the days without computers. YouTube. What would children do? I don't know what my kids would do if YouTube had not been invented. What would the DIY world do without YouTube? Let's face it. Okay, so you're getting into that. So let's talk about what we wanted to really dig into on this. Mm -hmm. And that's the the most, one of the most, I guess you can't say the most, it could be. Uh, it's one of the most revolutionary inventions for the DIY world, and it's yeah. the roller cover. And yeah. let's make the case for that. And it's a very sad story, so it's it's going to win all Get the way your around. your tissues out. You're going to need them. <laughs> right. So you've got the roller cover. It's yeah. a really basic common tool, and we don't really think about it. But it completely did, like we're saying, revolutioned, it almost created the DIY industry, at least well, when it came right. to home decorating and the work that we commonly do now yeah, because really wasn't done before well, by homeowners. Before the roller cover came into play, the way paint was applied was with a brush. And we actually have some of these brushes mm-hmm. from 
painters back in, you know. Back in the, the day? Yeah, before the roller cover. They're huge. They're heavy. And it took a lot of skill to put paint on a wall or a ceiling so that it looked smooth when it was done. I mean, mm-hmm. we well, we stumbled across a video yeah, where they're actually talk about that. sending people. It's a video from 1945. Yeah, where they send guys to school to learn how to apply paint properly and all the video is they're using a brush and on everything ceilings walls everything those is guys a brush. had to be like popeye because yeah. that brush is so big and so heavy exactly <laughs> so that's what it was it was very skilled and it yeah. was very much relegated to mm-hmm. a trade painter yeah. you would bring in a painter to do that not right. as many people would do this on their own yeah and then along comes the roller cover in 1940 and all of a sudden it made it a lot easier for people to get really acceptable to great paint results on their own yeah and that did not make uh some of these contractors happy well, contractor unions were unhappy yeah because all of the work was being taken over by the homeowners i mean suddenly they didn't need to hire someone chunk of it and they felt like yeah. the skill was going out of the trade right and so the unions actually fought against the rollers mm-hmm. so painter unions didn't want to use rollers or at least an element within there there was this this right. battle and eventually the pro roller contractors won out right and they could use them but yeah. anyway the reason that we think it was such a big invention for the DIY world is mm-hmm. that it really put all of this in everybody's hands now everybody right. could paint their own home start dabbling with decorating and all of that right so what makes it a sad story well, it's really, you think when someone invents something that they're going to become really rich and famous that off of it? That is the dream. Like, my brother-in-law wants to invent a toilet seat <laughs> that you push a little <laughs> lever, like those little garbage cans, oh, and yeah. the lid goes yeah. up, and then uh-huh. you step off and it goes down. Right. I think it's been invented now, but he had yes, that idea a long one. time ago. Uh-huh. It's going to make it rich. Well, the thing is, the guy who actually invented the roller cover doesn't even get credit for it. Most people have never even heard of him. Someone else gets the credit for his invention. We don't even know how to say his name, how to pronounce it. I believe it's Brakey. His his first name is Norman, so maybe we'll just call him Norman. Norman Brakey, as in heartbreaky. Yes. (laughs) This is a very heartbreaky story. It could be Brakey, but we're going to go with (laughs) Brakey. Right. But anyway, he was born in 1890 in Chicago. Yes. At least... That's yeah. what we seem to uncover. The uh-huh. general idea is that he was born in Canada. Yes. But we found other evidence that seems to really seal the deal that he was For born Chicago. in Chicago. Yeah. So he's American born. But yeah. he moved to Manitoba and then later to Toronto and spent most of his life in Canada. Right. So then in 1940, he gets this inspiration and he decides that maybe he could invent something to help the painters. You know, it seems... Why are you up there brushing all these things? There's well, got to be a way to make something that can apply it but even that more evenly. Is a supposition. You're making a guess. We don't even know why he made it. We don't know if it was for his own sake right. that he decided this is maybe quicker, or if he was trying to revolutionize else. an industry. Right. We don't know. Like with the tape one that we talked about, the masking tape. We knew the origin of that. The right. reason the need was there. And we know the circumstances. Right. We know nothing. Yeah. We just know that he came up with this idea of a cylindrical core Mm -hmm. with a fabric cover that would soak up and distribute the paint when rolled over a smooth surface. Right. So he brings all these drawings and stuff and files for a patent with the patent office in Ottawa, Canada. Mm -hmm. Now, they evaluate it 
and they grant him, at least according to a lot of the documents that we dug into, they grant him a patent, which is important because a lot of places will say he never filed for a patent. Right. But it looks like he actually did and he got it. Right. And that was basically the high point of this whole experience for him Mm -hmm. because everything from there is downhill because now he's got this patent and so he goes to start creating prototypes Mm -hmm. and... Betsy found a great quote. It's long, but we're going to read it. It is long. It was from the Globe and Mail in 1984, and there's a gentleman named Tom Hamilton from AB, I don't know what that is. Saya? Saya Yeah, we're guessing. We're guessing. It doesn't matter. Um, Anyway, he recalled, Norman was a white-haired gent who was full of purpose. He wanted my opinion on the best kind of fabric that offered a stiff, bristling app. I asked for what purpose, and he said, for rolling paint. I scratched my head, but he resolutely went on and described to me something with a handle shaped like a seven that would hold a cardboard fabric-covered cylinder. If my theory is right, this thing will revolutionize painting in Canada, he said. Well, the best thing I could think of was that bristly green mohair velour that was used to cover railway touring coaches in those days. So I sold him a bolt of that. Later, he came by and thanked me for my advice. He gave me one of his original roller covers and a tray that had been hammered out by a local tinsmith. Neither of us knew how big his invention would get to be. Right. That's Tom Hamilton, the guy who sold Norman Brakey the first fabric to use on his prototype covers. Yes. And from there, everything seemed perfect. But the obstacles started to mount almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Norman couldn't find anybody to back this invention. He needed investors to get on board and to give him the money so he could make enough of these to actually make it work. And he couldn't sell it to anybody. So whether he was a terrible salesperson or they just could not catch the vision, we'll never really know. Mm -hmm. But it never happened. But that was just one side of his difficulties. The next side came up when his patent was contested. Yeah, an American Richard Croxton Adams, descended from the presidential Adams, claimed that he invented the roller cover in his basement that exact same year. And it suggested that he kind of tweaked Brakey's idea a little bit and actually contested the patent. Right. So he takes his idea. Mm Mm-hmm makes a few changes, presents it as his own, right. and now there's a contested patent. And so, the problem that happened is that Brakey didn't have the money to uh-huh. go and actually fight this. So he right. had to just give it up, and the patent goes to Adams. Richard Croxton Adams, uh-huh. and from there, the rest is history. He is credited, yeah. at least in writing, as yep. the creator of the roller cover. But sadly, there's very little recognition for this DIY visionary, Norman Brakey, who died... Very poor. Yeah. And with nobody really knowing what he did. That's okay. We have just informed a lot of people about what he did. And we've made all the descendants of Richard Croxton Adams angry in the process. (laughs) Yes. I want to say it was suggested by some people that he copied the idea. Of course, there's another group that say that's not so. Well, of course, there's always two sides to every story. All right. Now, coming up after the break, we are going to be talking about that rusty look that you get sometimes from your water and how to fix that. That's next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we are going to solve Betsy's problem today. 
Well, and hopefully other people's. Well, yes, one of them. (laughs) Right. Yes, there is a multitude of issues we could address. Right. But only a couple that I believe our guest is really wanting Mm -hmm. to get into. Well, I am guessing that if we have anyone listening in the Kalamazoo area, <laughs> at all, they may have, right? <laughs> they may have a similar problem. Did you tell everyone that we're here in the studio? No, with I was going to let you do that. <laughs> okay, we are in the studio with Tom Deisterhoff, Vice President of Gordon Water Systems. Tom, thanks for coming back. We've had you on a couple other times. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I apologize for Betsy's really klutzy introduction there. Um, right. I completely like forgot you, to do it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your klutz was better than my uh-huh. non-effort. All right. Anyway, Kalamazoo water. We I briefly talked about it in a different segment. We talked about so- water softeners. But there is like a rusty something because it gets all over my shower curtain. I bought a brand new shower curtain and it has already started to turn in just a couple of weeks. It's got that pinky rusty color my shower walls which are white continually has that horrible color on it and it's a bear to get off what is going on and how do i fix it (laughs) well what you're experiencing is iron iron is oxidizing and it turns into what we call rust Mm -hmm. uh iron you don't see until it becomes oxidized and it turns to the color that it is right now iron or rust uh in city water has been oxidized uh, through the use of chlorine. Mm -hmm. And so what can happen in your instance is it's actually settling slowly into the pipes. And yes, you're getting it continuously in your house. Uh, Interesting thing, when they do the hydrant flushes in the spring, Mm -hmm. uh, they'll bust a bunch free from the pipes because they're flowing water so fast. You'll see, we'll get calls. We know when they're going to do hydrant flushing. Uh, yeah. We'll get calls uh, from, oh, my softener's not working. Well, were they flushing hydrants this week in your neighborhood? Oh, I did see water flowing. Yeah, okay. Well, they busted a bunch free. It's just hammering I've noticed house. that. There are a couple times a year, it seems like, when you turn on the faucet and it's just like nasty brown water. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that's flushing the pipes because that's what they want right. to try to minimize, right? They don't right. want it to stay there for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that iron uh, is going to pass through a softener, the stuff that they're flushing through. Okay. With a water softener, there's a couple of things. One is when you eliminate the hardness, mm-hmm. um it reduces the ability for the iron to stick because there's no rock stuck to your shower wall or shower curtain or whatever. Oh. Um, it, it still will color, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as difficult to remove as, as if you have hardness and iron together. Okay. The flip side is a water softener does reduce iron quite well, and there's two reasons. One, we put a pre-filter in on every water softener, mm-hmm. and a pre-filter is a rock stopper. Okay. Uh, it's an it's a cheap insurance policy, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. it keeps the sediment. Whether you got city water or private well, there's stuff that comes in from a well. There's stuff that comes in from the city, and it eliminates it right as it comes in before it gets into a water softener, before it gets to your faucet. The, the little aerator heads that mm-hmm. you have to clean out once in a while because you're getting this weird spray out, and you pull it out, and you see chunks in there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Gets, I have that. It mm-hmm. gets rid of that. So the pre-filter will stop some of those particles. Okay. A water softener will will remove a good share of that iron. Mm -hmm. Um, And on those instances where they're flushing, 
there's no easy answer. We can put in equipment to address that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, it would only be really utilized several times a year when they're doing the big flushing. Right. So a lot of people, we just say, flush your own water, your water heater, and, you know, hot water, cold water, till it runs clear. Because your softener and pre-filter are going to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So on private wells... It's a different issue because when we come out and do the water test in your home, a free water test, mm-hmm. and there's iron present, there's color, Yeah. what we'll do is we do an iron test on the raw water. Then we run it through a miniature softening column. My water specialists come in and they have a little mini softener. Hmm. They and do that and we can watch? <laughs> yeah, you can participate. <laughs> really get to count the drops and look at the colors. That's exciting. It is quite fun, actually. Um, but I'm kind of weird in that way. So anyway, um, what we do is is we test the raw water. Mm-hmm. And if there's iron present, we run it through the mini softener and we test it again. Mm-hmm. If the iron is gone, then it's a type of iron that the water softener can remove. The vast majority of the time, that's the case. Mm-hmm. And the water softeners we have, they have something called upflow brine. Okay. My dad started that back in the 70s. He had upflow brine on the water softeners he sold. And he absolutely put the big competitor in the marketplace, in Kalamazoo actually, mm-hmm. uh, kind of rocked them back on their heels because he was all of a sudden putting smaller units in with far better efficiencies mm-hmm. and getting better results. And so people were using less salt to have nice, clean, soft water and had a smaller footprint in their basement. All of our equipment has upflow brine, whether it's our single tank electrics or our twin tank non-electric Connecticut, and they handle brine or uh, handle rust really well. Now, when we test Mm -hmm. in a home, in a private well, and we run it through the miniature column, and let's say the iron gets reduced to half what the raw water is, Mm -hmm. we know that the softener is going to do a portion of it, but there's iron left, and that iron is not going to be removed by the water softener. It's called ferric iron. And what we need to do in that case is take a look at an iron reduction system that goes oh. before the softener. And there's a couple of systems we sell, but we've got a fantastic one. Uh, we've had a relationship with uh, Helen Brand for many years, and they've put together an iron reduction system that we've really appreciated uh, working with. And so we have the ability to knock the rust, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you also can eliminate maybe rotten egg odor if it's present. Oh, and yeah. then we go into the softener, and now your house is getting, it doesn't stink, mm-hmm. it doesn't have color, and it's right. soft. So We had the stinky water at home. Rotten egg? Yeah, oh yeah. 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 And I don't believe we had any other systems than a water softener put in. Yep. And it never got rid of the stinky water. The stinky Softeners water don't always. address odor. Yeah. 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 So what about, and maybe this is a really dumb question, but as is my way, I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. <laughs> we get a lot of people that come into the store at Repco Light or Port City Paints, and they'll ask about all the rust on their siding. You know, from the sprinklers and stuff. You know, they have cleaners Mm -hmm. to get it off and things like that. Yep. Is this something that, I guess it depends on where they're getting that water from. Let's say, you know, in my instance, at my house, I've got a well for all of that, for the sprinklers. Okay. And I've got city water in the house. 
Okay. So I'm not using the city water outside. Okay. I would have to have two. Of course, I'd have to have two systems at that point. Does anybody ever do that to deal with outdoor problems like that? Yeah. The outdoor, because there's such an investment, not only in the home, but in a lot of times landscape, rocks, driveways, you know, you want to protect the appearance of that. Mm -hmm. And there is something that we work with uh, that actually is an injection system for your outside faucets or sprinkling system. And it sequesters the iron. And it makes a huge difference. You still have to clean off whatever's on there first, mm-hmm. but you're not going to continue to add to it nearly as much. Uh, some people are totally, totally sad. They never see rust again. Well, uh, some of them can be really bad. I mean, yeah, we've I've all driven by houses of... where it's orange on yeah. the side. Yeah, oh my. And right where the sprinklers hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a nice arc, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cute. <laughs> so uh-huh. there, there is at least uh, something that will address that yes. issue, yep. and you carry that as well. We you do can help people with that. Yep. Now, is there anything else that we need to think about, or really did you maybe sum that up we a, need to filter out? Right. Are there other about, things other? There's than a just lot iron? that I should filter out, <laughs> yeah. but in my water, yes, in your water, there is something that causes color that an iron filter system uh, doesn't address. Actually, it can hurt the iron filter system, nor will a water softener address. And it's called tannins. And tannins is decayed plant life. So a good Mm -hmm. example of what tannins can be is in the fall when you see a puddle Mm -hmm. and there's leaves from the trees that are in the puddle and Mm -hmm. the water is not crystal clear, but it has a tea type color to it. Same thing happens underground. Decaying plant life or organic matter uh, can percolate down to your well and gets pumped up into your house. That tannin will pass through a water softener, iron filter system, etc. And it gets into your toilets or into your shower and it can do a little bit of staining. Uh, but it's also one of those things where we had a customer on the lakeshore. She had tannins and she kept flushing the toilet thinking one of her grandsons wasn't flushing the toilet. (laughs) Well, it was really the tea color caused by the tannic acid. And so there's things we can do with that. Tannins with iron uh, can pose a little bit of a challenge, but we've got ways to address it. And if there's no iron present, we can put in a tannin softener. Oddly enough, it's called a tannin Hmm. softener. Um, Different media does different things, uh, but it can end up with nice, clean, clear water. And quite frankly, following iron filtration and a softener and some tannin removal, we always recommend an RO system just to make the water taste pristine and make sure you're getting clean, clear water for all your drinking and cooking. Is that what you would put on if you have that chlorine smell in your water, like city water? I would, fully, I would fully recommend uh, an RO system anyway okay. because I'm partial to it. Mm-hmm. That way, regardless of the contaminant uh, of the day, mm-hmm. and there's been several over the last few years in the news, right. uh, you're taken care of. You don't care what tomorrow's new contaminant is because a uh, good quality RO system like the Kinetico K5, it's awesome. Does that hook up to the water softener, or do you have to put it like at every faucet in the house? Well, we've actually done some plumbing uh, from an RO system to multiple points, whether it's a bar or bathroom or kitchen or you know ice mm-hmm. maker, et cetera, et cetera. Most people, if we're able to put it in the basement, mm-hmm. feeding soft water to it, uh, will then run tubing, if we can, mm-hmm. up to the kitchen sink and to the refrigerator. Those are kind oh, okay. of the two biggies for ice making mm-hmm. and water dispensing. And the main toilet. <laughs> you want that water pristine as well, in case the dog drinks. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm concerned the lid about the dog. On the toilet, so the the dog I've doesn't. I've got drink five out of kids there. at home. The lid is never closed, oh, <laughs> and no. I'm constantly flushing that toilet. Maybe I've got tannin problems too. <laughs> Either that, or dude. We've kids. talked enough that you need my water specialist to come out and help you. We All the problems. Do. Let's face it. Yeah, we're both in that boat. <laughs> but that the whole rusty water thing is a real pain. I know my yeah. mom. We grew up with that, mm-hmm. and the stuff on the siding. That that was really minor. What really got mom was the clothes that she continually yeah. wrapped, washing clothes. I mean, right. it was a constant battle because she'd mm-hmm. wash them, and now they've got rust stains in them, and she can't fix them. You yeah. could help her. Absolutely. You could help anybody in that boat. Yes, sir. Tom, if our listeners have questions, if this has really got their brains moving and they want to get in touch with you, maybe get somebody out to do a free water analysis, you said? Yeah, absolutely. So you direct them as to what they might need. How's the best way to get in touch? You know, easy way is gordonwater.com, and we've got a request for quote uh, or a free water test button, and that's very quick and easy. Uh, if you want to call us, we cover all of populated West Michigan. We touch 13 counties. Uh, you can call 1-800-WATER-68. 1-800-WATER-68. I am dialing as we speak, or can I just make arrangements with you before you leave? (laughs) I think that's probably better. Yeah. Yeah, We'll get me taken care of right Uh away. Tom, thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some common paint mistakes, and more importantly, how you can avoid them. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, let's talk about paint mistakes. They're common. Paint mistakes. Paint mistakes are common. I know we've talked on the show. Remember, was it two last year at the Home and Garden Show, one of those okay. shows that we were yeah. at? Um, a listener came by, and I remember talking to him about a project, and he kind of waved us off and said, you know, he loves the show, he, but he hires all his painting done. And I said, no, uh-huh. come on, everybody can do it. You know, and we're great, right. you know, help yeah. you find the contractor and all yeah, of that, yeah. but you can do it. And mm-hmm. he said, no, I can't. You don't know. Do you remember the story? It was the craziest story I've ever heard. That wasn't me. <laughs> he was right. painting a tiny little bathroom with his wife. Oh, yes, this one. And yeah, and his wife had said exactly what I was mm-hmm. saying. You can do it. She's always been right. the painter, but she convinced him you can do it. Let's just yeah. get in there. It'll be a team effort. Mistake number one. Yes. <laughs> and he said he got his little tray out. Mm-hmm. She had her tray and he started painting and he bumped something with the tub. Yeah. So he got paint on something that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So he set the tray down, mm-hmm. grabbed a rag, wiped it off. Yes. Feeling pretty good. Took a mm-hmm. step back, stepped on the edge of his tray and flipped it straight up into his shin. Mm-hmm. So all the paint, everything all over his foot, all yep. over his shoe, dripping all over the floor. Right. He's just stunned. It's a disaster. So then he's, he's and he's demonstrating in the booth. He's holding his head and, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Right. He said, I just needed to sit down for a second. So he sits down on the toilet. And that's where his wife had left her paint tray. Yeah. So he sits in her paint tray. So now he's just like the giant paint man. Yeah. She told mm-hmm. him, stop helping. I retract yeah. what I said. Not everybody can do it. <laughs> and he was sent somewhere else. Maybe this right. was all some grand ploy. But paint mistakes do happen. That yeah. kind of paint mistake is pretty extreme. Right. But now let's deal with some common paint mistakes we see all the time. The first one, mm-hmm. one that really I can relate to, is jumping the gun. On a project. Yeah, that Help. happens when people, you know, plan, they sit there and go Thursday night, oh, you know, I'd really like to repaint the living room. 
and I want to do it on Saturday. So you have now left yourself one day to go and choose your paint color, mm-hmm. to go and get your paint, all the supplies, do all the prep work, all of those things that you need to do, yeah. you've left yourself one evening to do. And that happens all the time. It We're does. watching something on TV and we just think, you know what? Painting I can the room, do that. Because painting the room... Generally, you know, if if you do a fair amount of painting, mm-hmm. painting a living room can go very fast. Yeah. What you don't think about is, like Betsy said, all the prep work and all of that. And the biggest thing when, when this problem comes up mm-hmm. is, like you said, we get people in the store on a Thursday who are starting to get the panic yep. because they have to get a color. Yeah. And so what they'll do is they'll just pick a color. Well, the thing right. is, if you're not comparing it to... You know, you're looking at the colors in your setting with your lighting. You can make a huge mistake because tan isn't always tan. Right. Gray isn't just gray. Yeah. People are always surprised when they're looking at colors and you show them, you know, five, six, seven different grays. And one is very blue. One is very green. One is very yellow. So on and so forth. When compared to each other, they look that way. Right. Separated. Right. By themselves, they look gray. But if you put them in certain lights or if you put them with certain things, all of a sudden you have a pink room instead of the tan or beige that you thought you were going to have. I just talked to a customer and Mm -hmm. she brought up a pink room. She bought a tan and she said, I have no idea tan could lean towards pink. Yeah. And now she's got this room that she's got to repaint. Mm -hmm. That all happens when you don't give yourself enough time. Yeah. Akin to this, doing the whole surprise makeover thing is not a recommended plan. It looks great on TV. It seems to work on TV. In real life, it doesn't usually play out too well. And you know what? Parents quite often do this to their kids. Like, the kids go away to camp, or the kids go away for the weekend, or whatever. And then, you know, this is their birthday surprise. And then it's not what the kids want. You don't do this to people. Let them be involved, because people want to feel like they have something invested in what is happening. It's so, so personal. It's their space. Yeah. Usually it's it's their room that you're doing. Yeah. They want to have a, a, a part to play mm-hmm. in that and you don't want to just steer it in a certain direction. Yeah. Another mistake is not using quality products. Yeah. You know, and this happens a lot of the times with roller covers. Mm-hmm. People will try to cheap out. They'll buy good paint and buy a cheap cover or a cheap brush. The right. thing you need to remember with that is that roller or that brush that's what's affecting the look of the finished paint on your wall. Mm-hmm. You can buy great paint, cheap out on the roller cover, and your end results can look very poor. Right. Also, make sure you go and splurge for a good gallon of paint. You're probably going to pay 5 to $8 more. Right. Maybe a little more, depending. But on an average room, it's two gallons, and it's going to hold up better, wash up better, cover better, hide better, apply better. It's, it's just win-win right. all the way around for a few extra bucks. Well, and that leads me to one last common mistake that people make, and it's they don't do the prep work, and especially the cleaning. I, I'm thinking of kitchen cabinets when they don't get washed well. You can buy the best gallon of paint, but it's only going to be as good as the surface that you're putting it on. So if it is not completely clean... It doesn't matter how good that paint is because it's not going to stick to something that's dirty. Prep work is boring. But it is key. So take the time to do that. Right. Another reason not to just jump into a project on, on a weekend. On Thursday. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's a small project. Right. But like a piece of furniture. Whatever you decide to do, we'd gladly love to help you figure out the best way to go forward. Just stop out at any Repco Lighter Port City paint store. Tell us what you're working on and we'll help you figure it out. And there you go, another episode in the books. If you want to hear it again, find it again, share it with somebody, you can find it online at repcolite.com. 
Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. And remember, the Repcolite and Port City Paint Stores are open till 3 o'clock this afternoon, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. Thanks for listening.